we've been looking at the story of Jonah. And it's a story that ends in a rather surprising way. Uh, the last verse is actually a question that doesn't get answered. And it follows a conversation between a, a very angry Jonah and a very patient God, where God is testing him, at the same time counselling him, asking him questions to reveal his heart. And the fact that the last question is unanswered suggests that these questions are being asked of us too. Right? We're being made to consider our own response to God in this story. This is meant to be a mirror in which we see our own reflection. And if you'll take some time with me right now to look into this mirror, it's going to ask us, whose reflection do you see there? Does it look more like Jonah or more like Jesus? That's where we're going to be ending up, asking ourselves that question. But first of all, we need to allow God to question us as he questioned Jonah. In the last chapter, chapter 4, uh, God asked him the same question twice, which means this is a very important question. He asked Jonah, what right do you have to be angry? What right do you have to be angry? Which, of course, suggests that Jonah had no right to be angry at all. Not that all anger is wrong. You know, we might be angry about some injustice that is being done, and that might be quite justified. Although it's important that we can express our anger in healthy ways. And, of course, one way is to bring it to God, to be honest about our feelings to God, as Sue Zeely encouraged us last week which is what Jonah did. He took his anger to God. Uh, but God's response was, what right do you have to be angry? So we'll look at why he was angry in a second. But I just want to ask you first, are you carrying anger? A lot of people carry anger, mad at the world, mad at others, mad at God. You know, you might not be aware of it, but I wonder if others are because of the way that maybe you react to certain things. You know, when things aren't going your way, uh, when others seem to get their way and don't deserve to, uh, when life doesn't seem fair. Maybe something was done to you or, or something was taken from you or a longing in your heart hasn't been answered. Maybe uh, your way of life, uh, the things you value, the things you love are being threatened. And so you end up either blaming others or you blame God. Because after all, you know, God has the power to do something and yet he's not acting in the way that you think he should. I mean, isn't he supposed to bless his people and punish others who do evil? Well, that was Jonah's issue, as we'll see. But Jonah was so angry, he didn't want to live anymore. In fact, twice he asked God to take his life. Now, Lord, he said, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Anger will do that to you. It only leads to despair and destruction. That's why the psalmist said, refrain from anger. It tends only to evil. So are you carrying anger? Because it will eventually destroy you and those around you. And God cares too much for you, as he did for Jonah, to allow that to happen. So can I encourage you to open up your heart to him now, to allow him to question you, allow him to search your heart, to do some heart surgery if necessary, as we look into this mirror together. Let's just start by recapping Jonah's story. Right, so God told Jonah, his prophet, to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and to preach against it because of their wickedness. Now, the Assyrians were the enemies of God's people and a constant threat. 
Historically, they're known to be one of the most cruel and the most violent empires of ancient times. I mean, you know, just beheading their enemies would have been kind and merciful compared to the terrible things that they did. You know, I'll just leave that to your imagination. But they've been called a terrorist state. It was a later generation of Assyrians that invaded and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And God told Jonah to walk right into the capital of this terrorist state and preach against them. But Jonah refused. And he didn't just refuse, he got on a ship heading the other direction. I mean, he wanted nothing to do with this. But not for the reason we might think. You know, I suspect most people would want to run the other direction because uh, I'd imagine the chances of getting out of Nineveh alive would be pretty slim. I mean, this sounds like a suicide mission, doesn't it? But that's not why Jonah disobeyed God. You see, there would have been no reason for him to go and warn the Ninevites about God's impending judgment unless there was a chance that God might relent, depending on their response. If God was going to destroy them, he didn't need to send a prophet to warn them, as Jonah knew full well. And if that's the case, then why would God want to show any mercy to these terrorists, these despicable enemies of God's people? But what's also surprising is God would choose Jonah as his messenger. You know, there were several other prophets ministering at that time, but Jonah was the most unlikely candidate. In 2 Kings 14, we're told that Jonah ministered during the reign of King Jeroboam in Israel. And unlike the other prophets who spoke against Israel's leaders for their injustice and their unfaithfulness, Jonah was more concerned about supporting his nation's military policy to extend their borders and their influence. In fact, one commentary called Jonah an intensely patriotic and highly partisan nationalist. He was a Jewish nationalist, and God chose him to go and preach to the very people he hated the most and who he saw as a threat to his country. So Jonah refused. He disobeyed God. He got on a ship and went the other way. And not because he feared for his life, but because he was angry. He feared that God would be merciful. And God was merciful. He was merciful to Jonah just as he's merciful to each one of us. You know, he cares about us way too much to just let us go our own way. He wants to heal our hearts. So he went after Jonah, sent this great wind that threatened to break up the ship that he was on. And the ship's crew found out that this storm was all because of Jonah. And so when he told them to throw him overboard to stop the storm, they eventually agreed and they were saved. Now, we don't know whether Jonah was being heroic, giving up his life to save them, or whether he was just angry enough to die, as we see later on. I suspect it was probably something in between. But as he was drowning, God in his mercy sent this great fish to swallow him up. And it was there in his watery tomb that he came to his senses and prayed to God. And God commanded the fish to vomit him up onto dry land. And then God came to him a second time to tell Jonah to go to Nineveh. God, in his grace, gave Jonah a second chance. And this time, Jonah went. He walked into the heart of Nineveh, proclaiming that in 40 days the city would be overthrown. And to his shock, they believed him. Verse 5 says, The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth which means they mourned. 
They repented before God. And even the king called upon the people to call upon God and turn from their evil ways in the hope that God might have mercy and relent from destroying them, which is exactly what God did. Now, it seems rather incredible that the whole city of Nineveh, 120,000 people, should just repent like that. Historians have pointed out that around that time, Assyria had experienced some major calamities with uh, famines and plagues and revolts, and that may have been seen as an omen, you know? So perhaps their hearts were being prepared. But even that can't explain a turning to God on this scale. The fact is, repentance is always a work of God. Now, if I were a Hollywood director, right, that is where I'd end the film. Right? I mean, what a great film that would make. This wayward prophet running from God, the storm, the whale. You know, he gets a second chance. This time it comes good and it results in an amazing revival. I mean, what a storyline, right? What a great ending. Except that the story of Jonah doesn't end there. There's still chapter four. And it's the most unexpected final chapter and often the most overlooked chapter. And yet the real lessons of the whole story are found here. You might expect the story to end with great rejoicing in how God had turned the hearts of a nation, how they'd all turned from their evil ways, but it doesn't. Jonah was not rejoicing at all. Let's just see what his response was in chapter 4 verse 1. It says, But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah was burning with anger because God showed mercy to his enemies. As far as he was concerned, they didn't deserve to be forgiven. I knew you'd do something like this, he says. It's why I ran away, because I knew that you were a God of mercy, a, God, a kind of gracious and compassionate God. But where's the justice in that? You see, Jonah was wrestling with something that a lot of people wrestle with. How can a good God be infinitely merciful and compassionate and at the same time be holy and just, right? How can he be a God of love and a God of justice? I mean, surely he should be merciful and loving towards those who, who try to do good and punish those who do evil, right? I mean, isn't that how the world is meant to operate? Isn't that fair? And so when God doesn't act in the way we think he should, we get angry, like Jonah. But listen to God's reply. He says to Jonah, what are you so angry about? What right do you have to be angry? Now, it seems to me God is addressing two heart issues here. The first is self-righteousness. Jonah had been disobedient. He'd rebelled against God, but God showed him mercy again and again. The storm was his mercy. The fish was his mercy. The fact he gave him a second chance was his mercy. Jonah deserved judgment, but God showed him mercy. And when he called out to God in the belly of the fish, he was clearly thankful to God for showing him such mercy. But by chapter 4, all forgotten. 
Jonah was acting like the unmerciful servant that Jesus talked about, who having been forgiven, refused to forgive others. Right? Jonah was happy to receive mercy for himself, but not for the Ninevites. In other words, he deserved it and they didn't. And that is self-righteousness. Because none of us are deserving. Which is why it's always upsetting when Christians are so quick to point out the faults and failings of others. You know, so quick to, to blame and point the finger. So easily angered and yet not see the plank in their own eye. And I say that as one who's been guilty of that myself many times. Right? May God forgive me because it's just hypocrisy. And we of all people should walk in humility and have compassion for others, as we'll see in a minute. What right do you have to be angry, says God? He was addressing Jonah's self-righteousness. But he was also addressing his idolatry. Because Jonah has said to God, you know, take away my life. Better for me to die than to live. Jonah's so angry he wants to die. Now just think about that for a minute. Why would he say that? He's saying there's no point in living anymore. So in other words, whatever he was living for, it had now gone. He'd lost it. So what was the point of living? May as well die. Which suggests that whatever he was living for, it wasn't God. There was something he valued more than God, something he put before God. Because after all, he was willing to lose his relationship with God if he couldn't have this thing. And when that something was taken away, his world ended, which means that whatever it was had become an idol because it had taken the rightful place of God in his heart. So what was Jonah's idol? Well, based on what we know about him, some have suggested that perhaps he loved his country more than God. It's why he was eaten up with hatred for the Ninevites, because they represented a threat to his country. And so he became angry when God didn't punish them. And as long as there's something more important than God in our lives, then we will be angry or despairing or fearful whenever anything threatens it. Because if we're seeking our happiness, our meaning, our security in something other than God, then it cannot deliver. It will always be under threat because only God himself can ultimately provide those things. That's why so many people today get you know, angry over politics, angry at the government, angry at all those other people who, who are kind of threat to their way of life and to their country. And what's so sad is when the people we see most angry are Christians, because it's usually a sign of self-righteousness and idolatry. Is it right for you to be angry, said God? Jonah was furious that these Ninevites, who didn't deserve to be shown kindness, who were a threat to his country, were being given another chance. And so instead of helping them on their journey towards God, teaching this repentant people the ways of God, instead, he withdrew and sulked. He stayed outside of the city, perhaps uh, up on a hill, you know, looking down on it. And he made a little shelter and sat in it and waited to see what would happen, perhaps still hoping that God would change his mind and send down fire and brimstone. But instead, God was more interested in Jonah's heart and decided, it seems, to give Jonah an object lesson. 
He provided this big leafy plant for him, like a, uh, a cucumber or a squash plant to give some shade to Jonah from the scorching sun. And he made things a little bit more comfortable for Jonah as he sat there. And you know, Jonah was really happy about this. He was probably thinking, at last, you know, something's going right for me. But then at dawn the next day, God provided a worm to chew the plant, and so it withered. And then God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed down on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. And once again, he was plunged into angry despair, so much that he wanted to die. You know, when everything was good, and God seemed to be blessing him and making life comfortable for him, Jonah was really happy. But when things weren't going his way, he was full of anger. He was probably thinking, oh, it's not fair, right? It's the Ninevites who should be experiencing discomfort. They deserve a scorching east wind. What have I done to deserve that? Are you like that? Why would God do that to Jonah? Well, it's because he cared for him. Just like he cares about you and I. God was dealing with his heart. What right do you have to be angry, says God? And then he leaves him with this thought, this question. Right? This is how the story ends. God says to Jonah, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Well, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot tell their right hand from their left, as well as many animals? I love that God cares about the animals as well. Now, the word that God uses there for compassion conveys a strong emotion. He was saying to Jonah, you know, you weep over a plant that wasn't even yours. Well, I weep over people people who I've created. You're upset about a plant, says God. Well, I'm upset about 120,000 persons, human beings who don't know their right hand from their left. In other words, they don't know what they're doing. They're spiritually blind and lost. You know, God doesn't excuse their wickedness, but he does say to Jonah, should I not weep over this great city? God was showing remarkable grace far more than we often do towards people who we may consider undeserving, people who you know, we disagree with, who may have opposing views or, or politics or practices to us. You know, those people who are just wrong, you know, those people, other people, the people we may get worked up about on social media. Just listen to this quote from Tim Keller, whose book uh, Rediscovering Jonah was a great help in preparing this message. He said, we live in a world fragmented into various media bubbles in which you hear only news that confirms what you already believe. Anyone who uses the internet and social media or who even watches most news channels today is being daily encouraged in a dozen ways to become like Jonah with regards to those people over there. Groups demonize and mock other groups. Each region of the country and political party finds reasons to despise the others. And Christian believers today are being sucked into this maelstrom as much as, if not more, than anyone else. He says the book of Jonah is a shot across the bow. Right? God asks, how can we look at anyone, even those with deeply opposing beliefs and practices, with no compassion? If we truly love God and have experienced his mercy, 
it will be reflected in how we view others, how we treat others. I heard a guy from Southlands Church in California uh, talk last week about how the world is seeking to form us through fear to have a hot head and a cold heart, whereas God seeks to form us to have a cool head and a warm heart. What do you have? A hot head and a cold heart or a cool head and a warm heart? What's forming you? I just thought that was so relevant to this message because Jonah had a hot head, angry at everything and a cold heart towards those others. He desperately needed God to change his heart. And we don't know whether that happened or not. You know, we're not told how Jonah responds to God's question or how the story ends for him. But then when you think about it, where did the story come from in the first place? Surely it could only have come from Jonah himself, which suggests that God's persistent questioning and care for him must have won through in the end. But where does that leave us? Because the way the story ends is meant to make us think about our own response. What do we see when we look into the mirror? And how can we change? Well, as I've said before, we need to look at where this is pointing us. Right? It's pointing us to the one who said, someone greater than Jonah is here. It's pointing us to Jesus, who also wept over a city, didn't he? He wept over the city of Jerusalem, even though they refused to repent. But he didn't just weep over them. In his compassion, he came to die for them and for each one of us. And like Jonah, he went outside of the city. Except rather than willing their punishment, he was willing to take their punishment upon himself by dying on the cross. And that's where the big theological question of this story is answered. How can God be both merciful and just? And we see the answer on the cross where God's perfect love and perfect justice come together. Right? Where God himself paid the penalty for all of our sin and wrongdoing. And it was because of his love that he died in our place and so satisfied his justice. So whenever we're tempted to say it's not fair, we just need to look at the cross. And it was on the cross that Jesus, when his enemies had tortured him and condemned him, when his opponents were mocking him and hurling insults at him, it was while they were crucifying him that Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know their right hand from their left. Even on the cross, he had compassion. Right? This is our God. Jesus didn't say they're not guilty. They were. So were the Ninevites. So was Jonah. So are you and I. But that's because we all need a saviour, right? Because we all need forgiving. We are all in desperate need of God's mercy. And it's only when you can understand that, it's only when you truly experience God's incredible mercy for yourself, that there will be no room for self-righteousness in your heart. There'll be no room for any idolatry. Instead of fear or anger, your heart will be filled with love for God. And at the same time, it will give you understanding and compassion for those others who, like you, are also in desperate need of mercy. And that is what Jonah's story is telling us. If you've truly received God's mercy, it will be reflected in your attitude towards others and the mercy that you show to them. So when you look in the mirror today, what do you see? Jonah or Jesus? 
because we're being formed into one or the other. So let's ask God, the Holy Spirit, to form Jesus in our own hearts and to show mercy to his church in America so that we wouldn't be a company of Jonah's, but the community of Jesus, agents of reconciliation in this broken world. Amen. God bless you today.